Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church. Dries all my tears. 
Show us how to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. time of worship we've already had this morning and excited about opening up God's Word together. 
and hearing from him together this morning as well. If you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, and we're going to be looking at verse 54 and then verses 66 through 72 as we think on the subject of his mercy remains. Uh, so thankful for everyone who makes uh, ministry here at Brian's Baptist Church go. And I know so many of you uh, work tirelessly and many times when you don't feel like being here uh, to make things work. But one of the guys that uh, makes me look good every single week is, is Eric Moore. And uh, he, he does all of these slides that you see, all the special stuff. And he's been in the hospital all week. And he climbed up those steps and got everything ready this morning. Um, to, he was going to be here. And I appreciate that so much. And so many of you who I know do the same thing week in and week out. Uh, you're where you're supposed to be doing ministry. And uh, that's to the glory of God. And so we praise the Lord for that. But uh, Mark chapter 14, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you already for just the time that we've had in worship, Lord. We thank you uh, for Danny and Chelsea, Lord. We thank you for that, that picture of, of what has already inwardly happened in their lives, of them accepting you as Savior and Lord, and that beautiful picture today of believers' baptism. And Lord, now as we have the opportunity to enter into your word, Lord, um, teach us, Lord, from, from a difficult situation in the life of Peter, from a time when, when he failed and he failed in a big way. Um, but, Lord, to see how your mercy remains. And, Lord, that your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness is so much greater than anything that we could ever do in our lives. And, Lord, if we'll just fall down before the cross, Lord, we know that you will forgive us. And, Lord, that not only will you forgive us, but, Lord, we see in the life of Peter this morning, you will use us again. And we're so thankful for that. And so, Lord, today I, I pray for... My brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray for, for one individual even who may be here and they're wondering, God, can you ever use my, my testimony again? Can you ever use me again? I failed in such a, a public way. I, I failed in such a dramatic way and people know about it. God, can you ever use me again? Lord, I, I know that you're going to answer that question for them this morning. You're going to show them for the life of Peter that you can use them in a big way. But I also pray for my friends who are here that don't yet know you as Savior and Lord. Lord, I pray they would recognize that the Jesus that we talk about this morning who forgave Peter is the same Jesus that will forgive them. And I pray that today they might see that and they might understand that at a heart level and that for the very first time in their life that they would surrender to you and they would recognize what it is to know you as Savior and as Lord. And so, Lord, today do the work that only you can do. Hide me behind the cross that only you'd be seen and heard. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we come to this particular passage of Scripture this morning, we see that it, it truly is uh, one of the, the saddest and, and one of the most tragic in all of Scripture. Every time that I, I read uh, this account, I'm reminded of, of just how fast and just how far that any saint of God can fall when we uh, get too far away uh, from the Savior. And yet in this tragic account, of Simon Peter's fall, uh, I find a message of hope and I, and I find a message of great encouragement as well. And that, that may sound strange, but there's a great blessing, I believe, in this particular text if we'll just listen and if we'll just hear from the Lord this morning. Um, a majority of the time when, when I preach this particular text or when I even um, I hear other ministers 
preach this text, almost it's always focused on um, the fall, on, on, on the sin in, in the part of, of Peter's life. But today I want to consider this particular event uh, from a little bit of a different perspective. Now I want us to look through the lens of, of God's mercy and God's forgiveness. Um, Peter failed God. And like I said, he, he failed God in a big way. Uh, we all know that. However, like I said, there is great hope, I believe, in this passage of Scripture. Peter's story doesn't end with him failing God, praise the Lord. That's not the end of it. Even though Peter failed God in a big way, we also see that he was forgiven, that he was restored, and he was used by God in a mighty way. And so while uh, Peter's story deals with a despicable and, and hideous sin, yes, it also showcases the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of our Almighty God. So today, we're going to consider both the negative and the positive aspects of Peter's story. And we'll look at his fall, and we're going to really spend some time looking at why it happened. And then we're going to consider God's mercy, his forgiveness, and his restoration in the life of Peter. And so Peter's story is important to us because we all find ourselves in those places of failure from time to time. I find myself there. You find yourself there. Uh, the person next to you has found themselves there. None of us are immune from this. And we do, it comforts us to know that our Heavenly Father is a God of boundless love, of endless mercy, and of absolute forgiveness, just as we see in the life of Peter. It's a blessing to know that just because we're down does not mean that we are out. And, and just the fact that we have failed the Lord and sinned against Him does not mean that we are doomed to end our lives in that same condition. And so I want you to know that there's hope. There's hope for the sinning saint of God that will repent and return back to Him. So I pray the Lord will speak to our hearts to challenge us and to warn us and to encourage us for His glory. And so if you're in trouble this morning then I want you to see that there is a way out. If you're headed to trouble, I want you to be able to recognize these warning signs that should have been seen in Peter's life. And if you have been restored, I want to remind you of God's great grace in your life. And so this morning, if you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Again, we're going to be beginning there in Mark chapter 14. Begin with me there in verse 54. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants, and he warmed himself at the fire. Verse 66. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what you sayeth. And he went out into the porch, and a cock crew. And the maid saw him again, and he began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again, and a little farther, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus saith unto him, Before the cock crew twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. You may be seated. 
The first thing that I want you to understand this morning is, is Peter and his rejection. And I think it might be helpful to us this morning to kind of set the scene once again so we understand where we're at. Jesus has just been arrested by the Jewish religious leaders, and they were aided in the arrest by the Roman soldiers. Jesus has been taken to the palace of the high priest where he has endured a sham trial in which the Jewish leadership did everything it could to absolutely guarantee that he would receive a guilty verdict and a sentence of death by crucifixion. When Jesus is arrested, every one of his disciples run away in fear of their lives. Two of them, Peter and another whom we understand to be John, follow the mob as they take Jesus to stand trial. And we see that when these two disciples arrive at the palace of the high priest, John, it seems, is known by the high priest. And so he's allowed to go into the palace with Jesus. John goes back out, it seems, and he speaks to the girl who is watching the door and convinces her to allow Peter in as well. And at this point, John, it seems, disappears from the narrative. And at this point, Peter is the focus of the rest of the account. So this brings us up to where our text begins this morning. And as Peter sits at the fire in the courtyard warming himself, uh, we see there in verse 54, uh, he's approached by a woman. John chapter 18, verse 7 tells us that this is the same woman who had been at the door. She was the same woman who had been keeping the door. And she comes up to Peter and she identifies him as one of the Lord's disciples. And you can imagine that as she walks up to Peter, that she's not just whispering, hey, I think that he might be one of those people with Jesus. No, she wants everyone to know. And so she announces it with gusto that Peter is one of the disciples. So that everyone within earshot could hear. When Peter hears her words, he immediately denies any connection whatsoever with Jesus Christ. He gives this loud denial. What? I, I don't know what you're talking about. You must be crazy. It's not me. And then we're told that he, he walks away. And as soon as Peter makes that first denial, what happens? We're told that he hears the sound of a rooster's crow. He hears that in the courtyard. That rooster was a warning, you see. He was a warning to Peter. Jesus had told him very clearly that before the rooster could crow twice, that Peter would deny him three times. When Peter heard that rooster crowing, he should have walked out of that courtyard. He should have removed himself from that very dangerous situation. At this point, Peter's not thinking about roosters, though. He's, he's just trying to deflect any attention away from himself. And I can imagine him standing around, and, and Peter's just trying to, he's trying to look casual, he, he's trying to look relaxed, and he looks anything but casual and relaxed, pretty much drawing more attention to himself than he already had. And everyone is kind of looking his way. And so Peter's attempt to hide himself has failed. And no sooner does he walk away than another girl sees him, and she yells, hey, that, he's one of them. He's one of them. Again, not in a whispered tone, but so that everyone could hear. And again, Peter denies. And he, he, he tries to, to deflect attention away for a second time. And according to Matthew 26, 72, this time Peter denies the Lord. And he doesn't just deny him, but he denies him with an oath. 
This means that Peter swore before God that he did not know Jesus. He may have said something like this, I swear before God that I do not know Jesus of Nazareth. I do not know this man in any way. And what a tragedy that is. This time Peter did not just lie, but he he committed a double lie. First of all, he lied about not knowing Jesus. He lied uh, concerning that situation. And then he swore that he wasn't lying, which in and of itself was another lie. According to Luke, when Peter was confronted by the second mate, a man who approached him and identified him as one of the Lord's disciples. In Luke chapter 22, verse 58. And so now the heat is on and Peter has been recognized. The people in the courtyard are, are on him now. It seems that his, his secret is out. His identity has been revealed. And, and at this point, Peter is angry. He's confused. He's frustrated. He's embarrassed. But more than anything, Peter is a, he's afraid. He knows that his very life is on the line. Jesus is on trial and he will be convicted and he will be sentenced to death. And Peter knows that as a follower, that's probably his fate as well. And so he's terrified here. And so Peter is left alone for a while, it seems. In Luke chapter 22, verse 59, it tells us that about an hour passes. And so by this time, surely Peter has, has begun to, to kind of relax. And he may think the people have, have, have forgotten about him. The people gathered around are, are paying attention to other things, and nobody's really thinking about him anymore. But it seems that he couldn't have been more wrong here. Peter is approached now for the third time. And he's accused of being one of the Lord's disciples again in verse 70. Peter's account was identified him as, as being a, his accent here identifies him as being from Galilee. The very place that all the Lord's disciples were from except for Judas Iscariot. And apparently this group was led by a relative of that man named Mountius. And remember last week that he was the, he was the man uh, who Peter had, had attacked and, and cut off his ear when Jesus was being arrested. And so we're told that this is a relative who leads this delegation that approaches Peter for the, for the third time and accusing him of being one of Jesus' um, disciples. And they might have said something like this, well, hey, I know you. Aren't you that man who, aren't you that man who attacked Malchus? Aren't you him? Aren't you the one that drew the sword? Now, being from the South, all of us know what it is to have our accent identify us. In fact, um, any, anyone who's ever been on our uh, mission team going to Montana knows that every single time that you're asked to go into the gas station and pay for the fuel, somebody's going to say, you're not from around here, are you? No, I'm not. What made you think that? But, you know, every time we just start to talk, if you go out west, if you go up north, uh, everybody knows you're from the south, and it, and it comes out pretty clearly because we have, even though we might not think it, we have an accent, and that gives us a way. Well, that's what's happening here. Our accent gives us a way. When Peter hears this accusation uh, that, that he must be a Galilean, 
he loses all control of himself. And we're told in verse 71 that, that he begins to, to curse and he begins to swear. Now, that doesn't mean that Peter was using some kind of vile or, or vulgar gutter language. What Peter did was far worse than just using a few bad words. What Peter did was far worse than saying a vulgar slain word or two. What Peter did was to take the very name of the Lord in vain. And he did it in the most serious way imaginable. See, when the Bible says that Peter began to curse and swear, it means that he invoked God as the ultimate witness to his denials of even knowing Jesus. Peter may have said something like this. May God Almighty damn me to hell if I'm lying to you about this. If what I'm saying to you is a lie, may God himself take my life right now. That's pretty dangerous. Peter is on a very dangerous ground here. He has fallen and he has fallen fast and he has fallen far. He has come to the place where he no longer fears God. He's fearing man. That's a dangerous place to be. When we begin to fear man more than we fear God himself. And Peter has come to that place. You see, first Peter lies. And then he tells a double lie to cover up the first lie. And then he tries to prove his lie by taking God's name in vain. It is literally just the grace of God that Peter was not struck down by the Lord where he stood that night. For what he had done. But yet we see that God's mercy remains. The second thing I want you to see this morning, Peter and his reasons. Peter would have never believed that he could have done what he did. Jesus tries to tell him, but we see here that he refuses to believe the Lord. Peter fell, and he fell fast. And yet, there he stands, this man who was the leader of the disciples, this man who swore that he would die for Jesus before he would deny Jesus, This man who, who tried to defend Jesus even with a sword just a few short time of moments before. Here stands that same Peter calling down curses upon himself and swearing before God that he knows nothing about Jesus Christ. The text suggests that he kept on cursing, that he, he kept on swearing, that, that he just couldn't stop, that, that he, he, he was over the top with what he was doing. Peter would never have believed that this could have happened to him. He never would have believed that he could have come to such a place in his life. What happened to bring him to that place, though? Let's think about that for just a moment. I think there's some clear signs that show us what was ahead. The trouble that lied right before Peter in his spiritual life. And I believe these signs can be very helpful to us as they reveal some of the trouble spots, some of the danger signs in our own lives. And so here are a few of the signs that should have served as a warning to Peter. First, self-confidence. Self-confidence. After Jesus and his disciples had finished the Passover meal earlier in the evening, Jesus told his men that they would all forsake him that very night. Peter spoke up and he told the Lord that, you know, the rest of these guys, they might do that. But not me. I'm beyond it. Peter truly believed that he had reached the place in his spiritual life where he was beyond falling into any kind of temptation or, or, or any kind of failure. And that's a very dangerous place to be when we're overconfident. I would just remind you that the Bible warns us again and again about thinking that we have reached a place where we are immune to failure. Where we have just reached that pinnacle in our spiritual life where nothing could possibly bring us down. Never think 
that what happened to Peter couldn't happen to you. You might be sitting here this morning, and you might be thinking to yourself, I can't imagine a single situation or circumstance in life that would cause me to deny my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know what? Neither could Peter until that night. The fact is, you are just as prone to sin as anyone else. And you are just one thought, you are just one action, you are just one word from being right where Peter was that night. It is only by the grace of God alone that we haven't failed like Peter or like others have failed. And by the way, that is why we need to be very careful, very careful about how we judge others. You see, we need to learn to extend love and mercy and grace and forgiveness instead of judgment. Because it's only by the grace of God that we're not in that same place. But secondly, we see the the warning sign of defiance. Defiance. Even though Peter was told very clearly by the Lord that this would happen, Peter rejects the word of the Lord. You see, even though Jesus is quoting Old Testament prophecy to prove that he was saying exactly what God had said was going to happen, Peter denies that what God says is going to happen is going to happen. He was defiant in that he stood in open opposition to the very word of God. Verse 31 says that Peter spake the more vehemently. It means that that he literally got in Jesus' face and he said, you may say this is going to happen, but it will not happen to me. That's, That's pretty dangerous territory to be in. It would be like me picking up the word of God, and me saying, I know what this says, but it doesn't pertain to my life. It's not, this this isn't talking about me. I mean, that's a a dangerous place to be. And it's another sign that a believer is headed for trouble when they refuse to listen to the very word of God. Or when they say, well, well, that's not speaking to me. That's, that's, That's for somebody else. Defiance is very, very dangerous. You can do as you please, but the Word of God is still the Word of God, and it always will be. And if you want to be right, line up with the Word of God. But if you want to fall into trouble, you can stand in defiance to the Word of God. But any believer is in trouble when they refuse to obey the Word of God. But also we see prayerlessness and indifference in the life of Peter. You see, in verses 33 through 38, Jesus uh, went... To, to the Garden of Gethsemane, you'll remember. And he's there with his disciples, and he takes Peter, James, and John, we're told, a little bit further. And they, they were indifferent to the need of the moment. And instead of doing, as Jesus said, and praying for strength, and praying to be sustained, what did they do? They went to sleep. They fell asleep, not, not one time, not two times, but three times. And each time, Jesus saying, don't fall asleep, please. Pray for me, pray, pray with me. But don't sleep. You need to be strong. And every time, they show a callous indifference to the warning of the Lord, and they just simply go back to sleep. They refuse to pray and seek God, which would have served them well when the attack of the devil and of the flesh came and came swiftly. Brinesburg, you are headed to trouble when you allow your prayer life to die a slow death. When you say, well, I'm just so busy today. I'll spend more time in prayer tomorrow. 
I'm just so tired right now. I'm just going to take a little nap instead of praying. You know, I, I know I need to pray, but I just don't seem to be feeling much right now. And pretty soon your prayer life is dead. And when you stop seeking God's face and show clear indifference to His will and His word, you're headed for failure in your spiritual life. When the inner man is allowed to become indifferent and prayerless, the inner man is beginning to crumble. Beware when your prayer life starts to suffer, as Peter's did. But we see also the impulsiveness here. Jesus told his men that he was going to be arrested and that it is the will of God that that take place. And when it does, Peter reacts very impulsively and he strikes out with a sword and he cuts off the man named Malchus's ear. And Peter was operating outside of the revealed will of God there. He was doing what he thought was right, but with no thought of what God was doing around about him. Peter was out of sync with God and with God's plan for the Lord Jesus. Jesus did not need Peter to defend him, did he? Had, had Jesus so desired, he could have called down legions of angels. No problem. But more than that, remember that he could have defended himself. He spoke a word in what happened to those soldiers. Thousands of men literally fell on their faces to the ground before him. He could have spoken a word and he could have destroyed them all. He did not need Peter's help. His arrest, his trial, his death, they were all part of God's perfect will for his dear son, Jesus Christ. Peter refused to accept it and that attitude contributed to his fall. And we're headed for a fall when we begin to walk impulsively. When we take no thought for the will of God, we're headed for trouble. When we take no thought for what God is doing around us, we're headed for a fall. When we walk like we want to, we're headed into trouble. When we do the things that we want to do, we're out of sync with God's plan. We're headed for trouble. We're not walking with Him, and when we're not walking with God, we know that we're headed for trouble. We need to be deliberate and prayerful as we walk through this life. You see, because impulsiveness says, I can do this on my own. I don't need your help, Lord. Where prayerfulness says, Lord, I need your help to find your way for my life. The latter attitude leads to blessing while the former leads to failure. But also following, but listen, following from afar. Afar off is what, what it says there in verse 54. I mean, we give Peter some credit. His love for Jesus was too great to allow Jesus to go alone. He, he had to follow Jesus. He had to be with him. But we're told in verse 54 that he followed him afar off. And that physical distance between Peter and Jesus was a picture of the moral different distance that was opening up between them. Because when Peter was near to Jesus, what do we see in his life? We see a man who was filled with confidence and filled with faith. But when we see that, that, that distance, that separation from Jesus opening up, we see a man who is filled with fear and with great doubt. And the same is true for us. The Lord's will is that his children walk as close to him as possible. And when we are close to him, we live clean, we live holy lives. I want you to think about uh, what your spiritual life feels like when, when you're on a mission trip or when you're on a, a retreat or when you're at camp. 
Uh, those are times when we're close to God. We're literally just, just saturated in the Word of God. We're saturated in opportunities to pray. We're saturated in opportunities for worship. And, and we feel so on fire for the Lord. We're given faith and power and love. We, we have the faith to stand for Jesus, the power to work for Jesus, and the love of Christ that will lead us to serve Him and the world around us for His glory. But when we walk afar off, when life gets busy, when, when life gets hectic, when life gets hard, and we're no longer close to Him, we're no longer spending time in prayer, we're no longer spending time in, in worship like we should, we're no longer spending time in His Word, we don't serve Him like we should, we don't love Him and obey Him like we should. And when our love for Him and our desire to be close to Him fades, know that you're headed for a fall just as Peter was. Many in this room this morning are following Jesus, but you're following afar off. You're not where you used to be. And it's for a variety of different reasons, but right now you're following, but it is afar off. Get back to Him today before you fall into deeper sin. But also we see the bad company. The bad company here, while Jesus was being tried, spit upon, beaten, the chief of his disciples was warming himself. Where? At the enemy's fire. Peter's downfall was accelerated because he was, was found surrounded by those who did not love Jesus. Who, in fact, were hostile towards Jesus. And when we surround ourselves with people who do not honor the Lord, we are headed for trouble. And some of us would, would, would do well to separate ourselves from some of those incredibly bad influences in our lives. And we know who they are. We know what they do to us. We do well to separate ourselves from those trouble spots. And sometimes we want to say, though, well, I, I just want to be a witness to them. But... It seems the only person who's being changed is you. And it's not for the better, it's for the worse. The company you keep reveals where your heart is. Wrong company will result in wrong living and wrong loving and brutal falls. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. And then in, in, in 1 Corinthians 5.6 he says, Know ye not that a man leaven, leaveneth the whole lump? And then Proverbs 13, 2, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And so I challenge every believer this morning, I challenge you to examine your life in light of, of Peter's experience. He failed, but he failed because he allowed those things to live in his life. And the same doesn't have to be true in your life. It's time to make a change if you have Identify these problem areas. It's time to address them and give them over to the Lord. But thirdly, notice Peter and his remorse. Peter's, uh, here we see, denies the Lord three times. And we're told that as soon as he denies him the third time, that he hears that rooster crow for the second time. And just like Jesus had said it would, it happens in verse 72. And when it does happen, Peter instantaneously realizes what he has just done. It all hits him at once. And according to Luke twenty-two sixty-one, when Peter denies Jesus that, that last time, the Lord looks at him. He turns and looks directly at Peter. Now when their eyes meet Peter, he remembers the Lord's words. He remembered that Jesus had told him that this exact thing was going to happen. I wonder, do, do you think that, that when Peter looked in the eyes of Jesus, do you think he saw anger? 
Do you think he saw hatred? Do you think the Lord looked at Peter with a look of, of judgment? No. I'm sure the Lord's eyes were filled with hurt, yes. But I'm just as sure the Savior's eyes were filled with love and mercy, grace, forgiveness, and compassion for Peter. Even after the fall, the Lord's mercy remains for Peter. And I thank the Lord for that mercy. I believe that as he looked at Peter, he was saying, Peter, I tried to warn you, but Peter, you wouldn't listen to me. You denied me, but I want you to know that I still love you. You denied me, but I will not deny you. My mercy remains. See, when Peter saw those eyes, the Lord in his words come, come flooding back into Peter's mind. And when Peter remembered, he ran from the courtyard and we're told that he wept. We're not allowed to watch Peter as he weeps his way back to the Lord. That's a, a, a time of, of private repentance and it's really none of our business. But the phrase he wept literally means that he broke down. He lost all control of his emotions. He, he was a broken man here. And he fell before the Lord in, in tearful and, and sincere repentance before the Lord. Now, what does that say to us? It simply reminds us that the Lord sees us. And he sees us in all of our waywardness. He sees the sins that we often tolerate in our lives. He sees the evil attractions that we tend to follow after. He knows all about the forbidden relationships and friendships that we keep. He looks upon everything that we do and he hates the sin. He hates the sin that, that, that drags us away from him, but he loves us. He loves us as, as his children in spite of the sins. And he calls us to come back to him with a broken and with a repentant heart. And if we will come to him confessing our sins, then he will forgive us. He promises us that his, that his mercy remains. That's his promise. It's his promise in, in 1 John 1, 9. And if, if we refuse to come back, then he will have no choice but, but to send chastisement into our lives in an effort to bring us back home. But if we repent, then we will be blessed. If we will repent, he, he promises us that he will forgive us every time. But fourthly and lastly, I want you to see Peter and his restoration. Peter and his restoration. And here's where the story really becomes a blessing to us this morning. There's no question that Peter failed the Lord, and then he failed him in a huge way. And there's no question that the fall was completely Peter's fault. And there's no question that Peter was way out of God's will here in his life. But there's also no question that when he truly repented that Peter was forgiven and that Peter was restored. The facts prove that to be true. After Jesus rose from the dead, the angel at the tomb, what, what did he say in, in Mark 16, 7? He says, But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. A few days later, Jesus met Peter by the Sea of Galilee. And we see that encounter in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And while they're there, Jesus asked Peter three different times, Do you love me? 
And three times Peter affirms his love for the Lord Jesus. And each time Jesus promises to use Peter's life in ministry. This promise is fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. When Peter is filled with the Holy Ghost and he preaches the gospel in boldness. And 3,000 people give their hearts and lives over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then all the way to the 12th chapter of Acts, Peter is the dominant figure leading the early church. Yes, Peter failed God, but Peter repented. And he was forgiven, he was restored by the very God that he had denied. And what the Lord did for Peter, he has done for many of you I know in this room this morning. There are people who are sitting with us this morning who have walked away from the Lord and denied Him by their words and by the actions of their lives. But some of you know what it is to come back. Some of you know what it is to come home. And when you did, you were forgiven, and you know it. When you did, you were restored, and you know it. When you did, you know that, that God has said, I'm going to still use you. And He has restored you for His glory. Some of you, some, some people in this room, have looked at those people and you haven't forgiven them and you haven't forgotten about their sin but the Lord has and listen to me that's all that matters those who refuse to forgive the failures of others are walking in pride themselves and they themselves are headed for a fall and so if you're a person who's wandered away from God I want you to know this morning that you can come home and he will embrace you. If you will come back to the Lord, he will receive you. He will forgive you of your sin. He will do more than that. He will restore you. And he will use you again for his honor and for his glory. And if you're not where you need to be, or if the relationship with Jesus is not as close as it has been, you can come home. Don't delay. Get to Jesus. Come to him this morning. This time in Peter's life was a time of extreme embarrassment, a time of, of spiritual pain. And I wonder, did, did Peter learn anything from these times of failure? Did Peter really learn any lasting spiritual lessons? And I think it's clear that he did. And if you look at First and Second Peter, you can see him addressing some of these issues because he writes about pride in First Peter 5, 5 through 6. He writes about disobedience in First Peter 1, 2, and 3, 1, and 4.17. He writes about prayerlessness in 1 Peter 4.7. He writes about compromise in 1 Peter 3.15 and 2 Peter 3.17. He writes about diligence in 1 Peter 5.8 and 2 Peter 1.10. Peter learned his lessons and he repented and he was restored. And the question for us this morning is, have you learned from these lessons? Are you ready to come home? Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of, of wandering around in your sin? Come home, child of God. Come, come back to him and allow him to restore you. Allow him to use you. Can you see the danger signs maybe in your life this morning? The fact is some of us are headed for trouble. And we don't seem to even recognize the danger that we are in. Listen to Luke twenty two sixty one. 61. And the Lord turned and he looked upon Peter. That means that Peter was close enough to see them striking Jesus in the face, spitting in Jesus' face, pulling the beard from his face. He was close enough to look into Jesus' eyes, and yet he still fell. He still stumbled. 
He still fell in, in a big way. None of us this morning are that close physically to Jesus. And so what makes us think that we're immune from those same failures in our lives? Have you been restored by the Lord, though, this morning? Have you been restored? Have, have you thanked Him lately for His love, His grace, His mercy, and His forgiveness? Today would be a great day to do that. But maybe today, maybe today you said, I don't know any of these things you're talking about, Brother Brad, because I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know Jesus, and I haven't been forgiven by Jesus. Well, I want you to recognize that all of us find ourselves in the same place, that God has a perfect design for our life, but that perfect design's been broken by sin. All of us are in that same situation. And that sin has led us into a place of, of brokenness in our lives. And for all of us, it looks different. For some of us, it's fractured relationships. For some of us, it's dependence on drugs and alcohol. For some of us, it's, it's the fact that, that we just seem to have no control over our language. It's a variety of different issues for, for all of us. But all of us find us, ourselves in that place of brokenness. And all of us find ourselves trying to fix ourselves. We can't do it. Nothing is going to fix us. Not more substance, not more relationships, not working harder, not just trying really hard. None of it's going to fix us. And God knew that. He knew that before the foundation of the earth was laid. He knew that we couldn't fix ourselves. And so from the foundation of the world, he said, Jesus Christ, my, my precious son, is going to die for their sins. And he's going to pay their sin debt. And the gospel is, is that Jesus came in the fullness of time. Jesus came and he lived a sinless, perfect life. That he died on a cross. He paid our sin debt and he paid it in full. That he was dead, physically dead, and buried in a tomb for three days. But on that third day, he physically had a bodily resurrection. And he is alive today and he reigns. And he is willing and ready to forgive you of your sin. And he is willing and ready to make you whole again. And if you need that relationship today, because you've never accepted him, I invite you to come. If you need to make this your church home, I invite you to come. If you just need to come to this altar and you just maybe need to cry out to God, you know the situation and the circumstance, do what God's called you to do. Be obedient. Come home. Lord Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the example, even in, in the stumbling and the failures of, of Peter. We thank you for the fact that he repented, though, and it was a sincere repentance, and he ran back to you. And that, Lord, you restored him, and you used him in a powerful, powerful way in the early church. And, Lord, I know there's some individuals who needed this today, who needed to hear these very words, because, Lord, they're wondering if they can be restored. They're wondering if they can ever be used again. And, Lord, you are yelling, yes, you can. Yes, I will. Lord, help them to hear that. Help them to hear it in their soul this morning. Lord, some this morning recognize maybe for the first time they're lost. They need to be saved. I pray that they would do business with you today. Some have said, you know what, this needs to be my church home, and they're ready to make that decision. And, and we're excited to welcome them. Lord, others just need to come to this altar. Lord, help us to do business with you. And we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise for all that you Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. 
On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.